Thank you guys so much for tuning into our fourth episode. This week is Chris's mandate. We'll be talking about A Night in the Woods. Before we begin, I want to also thank everybody for the amount of interaction that the post promoting this episode got. We really appreciate it when you guys interact with us on our socials, and we like to know what what our fans think about what we're doing. So we just wanted to let you guys know that we appreciate you. Night in the Woods was developed by Infinite Fall, founded by game developer Alec Holoka, with artist and animator Scott Benson, and published by Finji. The game was initially founded on Kickstarter, where it earned 400% of its $50,000 goal, or $200,000. Released February 21st, 2017 on PC and PS4, Xbox One later that year, and February 1st of 2018 on the Nintendo Switch. So off the bat, there is some slight controversy with the lead developer, Alec Koloka. In August 2019, he was accused of physical and emotional abuse by Zoe Quinn, another video game developer. And after that news came out, the next day, the Night in the Woods development team broke ties with Koloka and Later that month, Holoka took his own life, with his sister posting on Twitter that he had been battling mood and personality disorders. He wished Zoe and everyone else the best. So basically, there was some speculation on if Zoe Quinn was a reputable source, if like what she was saying was true or not. There were some claims that he wouldn't let her go out or see friends or leave the house. But there's some Twitter updates that claim otherwise about her you know, chatting with friends and then actually having plans attending events in Canada where Alec is from. So I I wasn't sure if I totally believed what was the, the speculation, but when the other developer of the game, Scott Benson, the artist and animator, came out and wrote a blog post about his experience working with Alec, he basically confirmed the allegations Claims he doesn't personally know all the details, but says Alec ran hot and was prone to outbursts and mood swings. Scott was first approached by Alec in 2013 while Scott was struggling as a freelance animator, designer, and artist. Alec wanted to make a game with him after he just finished off his big success of a game called Aquaria. They started communicating online and they decided to actually do that and make a game. At first, it started off okay. They didn't really know each other, but there were some weird things that Alec would say about his roommates and like ex-girlfriends about how they were all terrible and bad and like not good stuff, right? It seemed like Alec was pretty naive how the world worked. He was very skeptical of visiting Scott, who lived in Pennsylvania, I think, because he thought he would get, like, shot just by not being in Canada, and would say things like, why doesn't B just leave work and follow her dream? Or why don't people in town that don't like living there just move? So very loose and goosey, not grounded in reality, it seems. While working on the project, he would disappear for sometimes days with no communication, and when he was around, Alec was highly toxic, and as Scott put it at times, a nightmare. As they were working on the project, Scott, who didn't have any game making experience, had to take the reins of the game after this Kickstarter kicked off, and they had to produce something. Alec wouldn't help at all, and Scott was having daily panic attacks. 
In late 2015, Alec admitted himself to a five-week-long intense therapy program, got new meds. Everyone was happy that he was getting some help that he clearly needed because he was he was flipping out at the team. He was flipping out at different conventions that they would go to and all around needed some help. So everyone was happy, but that meant that he wouldn't be able to work on the game very much during that time. So after that happened... Alex seemed to be getting better. He wasn't as toxic. He was almost like a cousin, as uh, Scott put it. He became a lot more sweet, gentle, and chill. He even visited Scott in Pennsylvania for a time when they were working on the game. And Scott showed Alec different areas of where he grew up, which were a lot of inspirations for the game. So when all the allegations came to light and all that time it seemed like Alec was getting better and changing and gone for most of their development, it seemed that he was doing that exact same stuff that he was doing to Scott and the team to other people. And it seemed like he had a lot of demons. People were scared of him. At times, he was highly paranoid and believed people were out to get him for no reason. So, after these allegations came to light, Scott and the team, as I said, broke ties with Alec and no longer were working with him. The game was basically done anyways, so they weren't at a loss for what to do now. And Infinite Fall wasn't like a proper team it wasn't like they were getting revenue through like this company. It was just like a project name basically for the game. So there's a lot of people that were coming at Scott and the team saying that, oh, you're taking all this money from him and like he's losing royalties and stuff like that. But, you know, the game was done and there wasn't really anything needed from Alec anymore. So I'll just read this quote and kind of wrap this up then. While I praise Alec's work, consider this. People left the industry because of what he did. People gave up their dreams, the art they wanted to make. People drawn by the promise of working with a well-known indie developer found themselves caught between giving up their dreams and financial stability and getting away from him. People spent years with him as a disruptive presence in their lives. People developed PTSD. People spent hours and money on therapy. People felt trapped by him. It's hard for me to see how one man's work is worth what he did to so many others. So, kind of a bummer, but I don't think that really diminishes the game at all. Basically, Alec had some more of like the gameplay mechanic ideas, and he composed a lot of the music, which he did a brilliant job on. But Scott and the rest of the team, I think, brought a lot of the charm from the characters and the writing to light. So... While it's a bummer this happened, and it's a bummer Alec did the things he did, I still think it's a great game that a lot of people should play. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good game. I like it a lot. One thing I want to say before we move on, it's a little disappointing that it took another man to say that this abuse was valid. It seems to always be the case that a woman will speak up and no one will believe them, and then some guy will say exactly what she was saying, but she, he's instantly more believable. So, I mean, people just need to be better. They need to believe victims because more than likely they're not gaining anything from saying any of that stuff. They don't need to go and be Reddit detectives and dig through her Twitter and say, no, actually, she did go out that night. No, actually, she does have friends that she DMs regularly. 
that doesn't mean that she's not being abused or controlled. So um, that's a little disappointing. Unfortunately, I think in, in that instance, that setting has a lot to do with it because in one case you have a person's private life and in another you have something that's obviously public. So when you have clearly the same type of allegations but said and set in different areas of a person's life, then people tend to believe something that might be more public as opposed to something that's private for whatever reason, I think. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It just, this isn't the first or last time that that sort of scenario is happening. Right. I agree. It is definitely a bummer. There was some things with Zoe that she was involved with this thing called like Gamergate, which I don't know if you guys ever heard about that, but basically she released this game called like Depression Quest and um, a lot of people were really mad at her about it. And I think it was because she was like a female game developer. But I don't know if that's where a lot of like suspicion lied from with Zoe. Or there was more like personal things going on that made her untrustworthy. But obviously she was telling the truth because there's a second, you know, uh, witness to what happened. For lack of a better word. Right. And despite despite these circumstances, the team made a, g- a great game, to their yeah. credit. There's there's no question that this is an indie game that is worth your time. I don't think the actions of one should spoil all the hard work and dedication that went to the rest of the team. Especially if he seemed to be kind of an antagonist the entire time. So you can say, oh, they did all these great things despite the person, that, one of the people that was working on the project. Yeah, it was like an uphill battle at times. I've got a bit of a sidebar for you, Chris. This question you might not have an answer to, but do you happen to know if Alec is the genius that decided to put a few rhythm games sort of tucked in into the main game? Uh, I, th- I think he must be. Uh, I don't know for sure if he like developed that, but considering he did most of like the actual game mechanic type additions to the game and all the music, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't his idea. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, I tried to play Guitar Hero as a kid. Couldn't really do it. Playing these guitar rhythm games on a controller, it was awful. It's not much better on a keyboard either. I bombed it. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of perfect plays of those after uh, the game came out because I was like, this is not what this is supposed to sound like after I did it. Well, on a, on a lighter note, I think that the team name or the project name for the game is very apt, Infinite Fall. This is definitely something that maintains that vibe. There's no, we're, we're not shifting slowly into winter. We're not sort of reversing or reverting back into springtime. This is literally a game where it is always fall. Oh, I thought it was, like, falling infinitely. Well, you can interpret it how you want. I mean, hey, we, you know, if you want to want to talk about falling, you know, we, our last episode... I was just about to say, falling in reverse. You know, what is that even? I mean, who knows? Who knows how to how to bring that, you know, into, into full view, but... And over the garden wall, you know, it's like an infinite world of fall all the time, you know? Right. All right, well, then I'm going to just kind of get into the the very basics of the game. Night in the Woods is a narrative and experience-focused game over complex game mechanics. It's basically a game with platforming elements and some small, short, interactive mini-games. The plot of the game is you are a anthropomorphic 20-year-old college dropout cat named May. 
After moving back with her parents in her hometown of Possum Springs, an old mining town, she meets up with her old friends Beatrice Santello, better known as B, Gregory Lee, or Greg, and Angus Delaney, only to find out some dark secrets about the town. So, um, part one of the game, Home Again, your character May is at a bus stop where her parents forget to pick her up. This part of the game is basically just our introduction to the town and the characters within the game. What was your guys' first impression of the game? Like, did you, th what did you think it was going to be like? I smiled and I was thinking, wow, the podcast were really like showing our true aesthetics really early on. Like now that we've all done one and now we're getting into two, it's like, okay, this is definitely a Chris selected item. There's a lot of fall colors finally meet up with your friends they're all like punk rock and kind of cool so it just felt very much like if chris was a video game it would be this game <laughs> uh, that's the biggest compliment i could get uh couldn't tell everyone i really like fall so basically everything i like is fall related one of my first thoughts was that you you took to the game because the protagonist is also polish <laughs> <laughs> I did get a very big sense of pride about that, I'll be honest. I was like, <laughs> about time we get some proper representation. Yeah, I saw, is it Borowski? Borowski? Borowski, yeah. Either way, I, I saw that and I thought, oh, okay, I see. I see where this is coming from. <laughs> you saw right through me, Walker. Right. <laughs> I, this isn't really, I guess, a, a criticism per se, but I, I was a little bit lost as far as where we were initially, the, the opening... Just kind of, you're, you're just sort of in the, the train station, but to me, or sorry, bus stop rather, but to me it doesn't feel much like a bus stop, oddly enough. I don't know why that is. Yeah, it felt more like a train station to me, uh, but yeah, it really just says throw you into the game and, you know, then, then you go. Um, but what you said about the, the punk rock friends of May, kind of wanted to briefly explain them so like i mentioned before she meets up with three of her old high school friends at band practice you meet up with greg hyperactive fox and may's best friend a gothic grumpy crocodile named b a quiet stoic bear named angus and also greg's boyfriend and later we find out that another old friend of theirs, Casey Hartley, has disappeared. All the characters right off the bat, I think, give off a really strong character. Greg just screams. B, she is not as upbeat as Greg. And at first I didn't really like B all that much, but you kind of, I think she grows on you. You don't really get a whole lot of Angus, unfortunately. He's... He kind of sticks to the quiet and stoic, but Greg is always a character, which is a lot of fun. So some basic like elements, I guess, of the game is that it's a really broken down, run down town that's kind of like down on its luck. One of the first characters that aren't a main character you meet, I don't know if you guys talk to this guy. His name is Danny. He's another cat and he has like blue eyes and he's standing out in front of his house and he's basically saying he's looking for work again he can't seem to hold the job and at one point that he was out of work for an entire year so things are not going super great at this town but 
that that's a that's a big plot of big plot point of the game is it's a rundown town with not a lot going for it. I do have to make a quick correction there, Chris. That's that's not the first character that we run into. Technically, it's the maintenance guy who drills open the can of soda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the janitor. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. And I think that set a pretty good tone because, I mean, you could have just opened it like a human being, but... But he's not a human, Walker. He's a bird. I suppose that's fair, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He was like a stork. Yeah, he was a stork. Mm-hmm. Stork with a beard, which doesn't really make sense because the, the the beard was on his beak, but it's not important. Yeah, it was unsettling. <laughs> but yeah, like the game really hits you off with character right off the bat with like the weird janitor guy that is a recurring character throughout the game. And he's always like this mystical kind of like wizard almost. It's weird. He doesn't ever really seem to make a lot of sense, but... Yeah, he's Danny wasn't the first, but the janitor was the first. And I, I'm hoping that I'm not right about this, but he isn't the same guy that works in the hardware sh- store, is he? No, I don't think he works at the hardware store. Do you mean when later in the the the, the game where you are at that like play where B works? Yes. Yeah, I think he was just a fill in. I could be wrong, but I don't think he actually worked there. Okay, all right, because there's something that is mentioned later on, but. We'll keep going. So, uh, as you guys said, the uh, you, we go to a band practice with the satanic mini game of the rhythm that none of us could seem to get down correctly. Lyrically, the song is fantastic. Oh yeah, but unfortunately, actually playing it is is difficult. So you spend more time looking at at the the notes than watching the lyrics crawl by, and I think that's kind of unfortunate because it's it's a great song all the songs are, are really well done I, I think you you'd said that it was uh alec it was the one that was behind that alec holoka yeah okay yeah yeah he did a really great job with the music i i ruined my spotify uh my spotify uh what was spotlight was it called where it like shows like everything you listen to yeah i i ruined my uh i ruined that with just listening to that stuff for like a month not ruined but not what I usually listen to. Wasn't the representation you wanted to give up. Right, off. yeah. Not not usually anyways, <laughs> but it could be worse. I couldn't post mine because of all the embarrassing show tunes I was listening no. to that creeped in. <laughs> like what? You gotta you gotta give one example. You know, some wicked, some lame some legally blind. <laughs> nice. They all just kinda seep in there. Oh, they just find themselves being played mysteriously. <laughs> it's a mystery, I don't know. Yeah. Some uh, drag queen stole my... I almost said my iPod. Oh, my God. Oh. My Spotify. Age is showing. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what your guys is, like, around when the band practice was, like, after that happened, you guys go to the pizza place. There... What was your guys' like, feeling of the game so far? Did you guys, like, have, like, creepy, cute, like, stuff like that? Yeah, it seemed kind of bleak and surreal. But I also, I'll make my, I said before we started recording that I might have had some controversial takes. And there were two things that the game reminded me of that probably didn't make much sense to anyone else. So the mechanics reminded me of this online game called Pop Tropica. I don't know if anyone else played it. I do not know it. It's a 2D platform puzzle game. And the characters, it's like, they're humans, but they have kind of like a football-shaped head, a little body, and then long limbs. And it's kind of how May is made. <laughs> yeah. It looked like they used her that shape. Oh, that's funny. 
And the way that you would jump from different spots was very similar to that game. So I I don't know. I actually don't know if I know too many people who actually played that. My siblings and I were obsessed with it. Um, and I actually told my sister um, to play Night in the Woods because I was like, you're going to love this game. It's really cool. And also, it reminds me of Pop Tropica and you have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Uh, I've never heard of that. You know, it seemed that you were shaking your head there, Walker. Yeah, I know the audience can't see me. I, I have, I've, I've heard of it. I've played it a little bit. And it does have a similar vibe in the, the fact that it is a, a side scroller. And like Grace had mentioned, the, the physics for your character are very similar to May. But to come back around to your question, I think... Maybe I'm a little bit desensitized, and I don't know if we want to get into this yet, but the moment after the the band practice where I believe we're all sharing pizza together, you know, the group of friends is sharing pizza, and you go outside and you find the arm, is that what happens? That's what I was leading up to, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, do you mind if I talk about that a little bit? Feel free. Okay, when that happened, and the objective was to then poke the arm with the stick, <laughs> yeah. I just re- I really wanted to do that. Oh, really? I, I thought that was a, yeah, I thought that was a great, th- I was like, yes, I want to poke the, like, I, fe- I felt like if I was in that situation, I would have done the exact same thing. Oh, man, that's so weird. And I don't know what that says, but I was very much into it. I thought that was kind of neat. I was the opposite. I'm like, I would never, ever poke the arm with a stick. But maybe I'm just not as fun of a guy as Walker is. <laughs> well, it's one thing if it's a, a, a body. That's an entirely different situation. Clearly, there has to be respect there. And I think that that is more of a first instinct. But when you have a severed limb, if it's an arm, a foot, anything like that, it just... <laughs> There's less of a connection to a person, unfortunately, I think. Yeah, I feel you. So <laughs> it's more of a curiosity and less of a taboo, to my mind, if that makes any sense. Oh, sure. It's not like it's a head. You know, it's it's not. Because you want to know, hey, where did this limb come from? Where's Like like they mentioned, is there somebody walking around without an arm? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I love about it. The game kind of just doesn't really hold anything back like oh yeah they're they're always throwing jokes like all the time and may is a self-destructive character and you kind of don't have a choice but to do self-destructive things because that's your only option they'll be like do this or do this and i'm like well both of these are unhealthy things to do but i guess i'll do this (laughs) yeah it's it's not really a game with choices it it is to a point but like you're, you're still playing a character that has like backstory you know yeah it's refreshing though because i play almost exclusively kind of role-playing games so it's like okay well what would i do and this was like relinquish all control because you're gonna be this self-destructive cat it's unfortunate that your character's self-destructive tendencies aren't inherent which we'll get into later but it's clear based on the ending of the game that you're not much more than a puppet and that's unfortunate but it's the reality of, of this world that we are living in, in, in that, not, not this world, I mean, <laughs> I was no, say, in, oh my God. in the game, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, free will exists, don't worry. I sure hope. But Please. in the game, and because of the themes that it tackles, I think it's a necessity. I know that the ending is jarring, but I think that it works very well in there. Uh, there's a, a line that I really want to get to, but we'll save it. It's just, I have a lot to say about it, but we'll move on. 
It reminded me of Pop Tropica, but it also reminded me a lot of Scott Pilgrim. Oh, interesting. Because I was like, oh yeah, reuniting with your punk friends. You're all, you're all jamming. Scott Pilgrim plays the bass. May plays the bass. She has a zero on her shirt and Scott Pilgrim has zero on his shirt. So I was like, oh man, is this like a little reference? But what? I couldn't quite tell. Well, I kind of imagined B as a combo of Ramona and whoever, um, April from Parks and Rec. What's her name? The actress I'm forgetting. The actress. Oh, Aubrey Plaza? Aubrey Plaza, yeah. I imagined, like, Ramona and Aubrey Plaza's character was B. And Greg is, like, um, man, I'm playing, like, six degrees of Kevin Bacon because I'm like, oh, Macaulay Culkin's brother plays Scott Pilgrim's roommate, so whoever Macaulay Culkin's Wait, really? Is. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that. Oh, my God, I love that movie. I didn't know that. That's crazy. What's his name? The roommate. Scott Pilgrim's roommate. Was it Adam? No, I don't think it was. No. No. It's something weird. It's like Morris. Wallace. Wallace. Oh, you're actually pretty close with Murray. All right. Yeah, Wallace. I mean, there's not a huge connection, but he's kind of like hyper and gay. And so is Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very gay fox, man. Greg. It's a it's it's superficial, but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with yeah, it. Yeah, I'll take it. It just reminded me a lot of of Scott Pilgrim. That's cool. I never really thought about that. I ne I never connected the zero on their their shirts before. Um, both things I love. Yeah. I just liked the the connection that the game made within itself because of the shirt, where you have that interaction with the character outside the video store, who says that oh I have a zero on my shirt, or it's some sort of symbol it's for. Null. The null, yeah, the null symbol, and he says it's for a backyard wrestling uh, fraternity or something like that, mm -hmm. and May is sort of chatting him up when he mentions offhand that it, it's probably illegal, and but she's very excited about it, and I thought that that was kind of just a funny little vignette that we went down. Yeah, those, those little interactions are fun. Yeah, in programming, null means, like, nothing. Right. So it's like, you can have something equal, like, one, zero, or null... And it just means, like, it's not zero. It's truly, like, there's no value assigned to it. Right, hence the term null and void. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot more profound. The fact that she has the null on her shirt, I think, says a lot. Yeah. I'm kind of messing that up, but, yeah, null means nothing. It's not, like, one, zero, or null. Uh-oh, Chris, you sound like you want to slide into some symbolism there. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Well, there is a lot of that in this game. Some less obvious than others, I guess, but to kind of like segue into the symbolism, we, uh, I think we should talk about the party a little bit, or at least like that, that's basically what kicks everything off. So after you guys find the arm, Greg tells you about a party in the woods. You think, okay, cool, it'll be a fun time. Um, but even before the, you like leave for the party, you're getting, May, your character is getting ready. And like right off the bat, she's saying a lot of like self-deprecating like comments about her appearance and like who she is, which at that point of the game, it kind of flipped for me that it wasn't just gonna be a, a goofy like mystery fun game that there was like deeper issues with the character um so basically 
you go to the party and your character may like you were saying grace with super destructive tendencies gets really drunk and starts saying not good things to like various people at the party like stuff about her dad having a drinking problem and her having nightmare eyes and a bunch of other things. I love that. <laughs> Starts calling people trash mammals, I think. The the game kind of really begins here, I think. And after all that happens, you get a ride back home from B, or Bay, I'm not sure exactly what it is. And you start talking about B's mom and your character had totally forgot that she had passed away and it happened before college so there's no reason may wouldn't know they get into a fight and bad night altogether and then you have the dream what did you guys think about the dream what was the first dream can you remind me yeah the first dream was where you wake up with a bat and you just start running around hitting cars and the sign and then later this giant like metal statue of a like a bird before we get into the dream i also want to mention a bit that you'd left out chris where may has this very strange and probably because she's drunk interaction with uh, I, I believe he's an aardvark or an anteater of some type. Oh, her ex? No, I, I, I think it's somebody that she likes, but I don't think that they ever dated. It, no, there was definitely an ex. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I think he was My a goat. My assumption was that she just... A goat? I think oh, he was man. a goat, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could be wrong. He could be a goat or raccoon. Oh, no. Those are very different, very different animals now that I said that. Oh no. I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to bring up a, a dead space in your memory. You're making me look bad for the listeners, Walker. That's on me. I I unfortunately fixated on a, a very select handful of things, and they were clearly not the same things that you were interested <laughs> in, so I apologize. Alright, I'm going to clear things up, and I think it'll make Chris a little b- feel a little better about himself. Okay, good. Her ex was named Cole, and he's a raccoon, but he has a goatee that makes him look goat-like. Aha! That's what I was remembering. I was remembering the beard. That was it. Colio. Yep, that's it. That's it. Was his friend maybe looked like an anteater? Maybe. There was somebody that had, had glasses and kind of looked like an anteater at one point. So I, I unfortunately got confused there. That, that's on me. You really want an anteater, I think. I thought it would be a good addition. If it's not something that my mind had just created, then uh, I think it would make sense for the game. Either way, uh, back to the dream specifically, I think... He's friends with an owl. An owl? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain is a mess. I've had a long week. <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, back to the dream. Maybe I can connect a little bit more with this this dream here. From what I remember, the, the portion leading up to sort of you scaling the... I don't know if it's a, a city kind of uh, situation... Yeah, you're, you're essentially running through the city and getting higher and higher, but the momentum building up toward this statue reveal is very interesting. I think the sound design was done very well because there aren't a lot of sections where you have that same interaction. 
with the environment. And so this being one of the first, it's interesting to have that sound and that reverb kind of happening that kind of adds to the atmosphere and really makes it feel like a dream. Obviously with the visuals, there's a lot going on, but then when you get to the bird itself and start, I, I don't know if it was by instinct, but I think it sort of leads you to the conclusion that you need to hit this statue. And when it starts toppling down and your character sort of gets reset and then you get knocked down and, and pieces sort of come at you and it kind of shows, it's a personification of what I interpreted as May's internal struggles, clearly. And I thought that it was done very well, but it's interesting how different it is from the following dream sequences. I think the invert, like the the colors are super, they, they stand out a lot. And then like you were saying with the, the sound walker, it feels like a dream. You, like you know it's a dream right off the bat and it's not like a memory or something. The dreams are some of my favorite aesthetics of the game because they really are very iconic and cool. If, if we're going to get into like dreams having like meaning, clearly May has some issues, you know. Not not just alone from the dream, but also from how she acted at the party the night before and some of the things she said at the night before. Despite the absolutely adorable way that she pulls her boots off and just throws the covers over her every time she gets in bed, there's a lot going on inside inside of her uh, her subconscious. Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you, Grace. I thought that was interesting how cute the characters were, but how real all the issues they struggle with are. Is it like a huge juxtaposition there? But I think it adds a lot to the game because you you, know, you don't really expect any of the things that are said or done because of that. I think. And and luckily there are very distinct personalities. It's not that they're hitting the same type of notes. Everybody has their own collection of either either physical gesturings that they do or specific dialogue traits. And I think that that would probably be a, a tougher aspect to get right, especially if you're, I don't know if they were on a time crunch, but they definitely put together this game in a, in a window that I would consider to be pretty short. Pretty short, and then they had a lot of issues within like their team with Alec and like conflicting you know ideas. I think they did a really, really good job with making the characters feel like people and not characters because everyone is a, has a lot more depth than what you kind of just assume off the bat, I think. To kind of get into the characters then, the next day you wake up after your dream, part two of the game begins, Weird Autumn. This is kind of where the game really starts now because you are introduced to this like choice-based system of who to hang out with for that day, Greg or B. There are different like things you could do throughout the, the town. Did you guys find the rats? Rats? I'm not sure. You were able to start like jumping up the buildings in like in the like the town area, and you can go into one of the buildings and you find this old parade float, and in the parade float there's a bunch of baby rats. You guys didn't see that? No, Grace did get into the building, or one of us did, but I don't know that we interacted with the float. Okay. Yeah, you you find the... I don't know if you found the float, but if you didn't, then it's like... It's on the far left of that building. You walk over to it. Oh, yeah, I did. I did see the float, and then I clicked on it and it said, oh, old parade float, huh? And then I was like, okay, well, that's it. 
But I got so you can keep clicking. You can keep clicking, or that you go like there another day. I think it's the same day. Um, but yeah, so you find baby rats, and then there's this pierogi place, pierogi and pretzel place, like in the uh, out, like the I don't know, the basement of the town. I guess I don't know the old. It was like a subway. Yeah, like a subway, an old like fairway or something, and you could go and steal pretzels from there, and you feed the rats. Oh, that's what the pretzels are for. So were you stealing the pretzels for no reason? They don't let you, because I kept trying to click on it, and it wouldn't let me. And I figured, oh, okay, it's going to be for some quest later. Obviously it was, but it wasn't a quest you needed to complete, so I just never stole any pretzels. So that's like a, like a cool little thing that you can do throughout the day, and you might not find it, or you might find it, so... Yeah, there's cute little games like that, and there's other town members that you can find and talk to, like your mom at work, or you meet the pastor at the church, Pastor Karen, and this old man, this old homeless man named Bruce, a high school girl named Lori. I don't know if you guys met up with her. I don't think so. Where was she? She was usually sitting on top of the buildings, or I think you're first introduced to her by the uh, town statue, like in the town center. She's a mouse, and she's always wearing, I think she wears like a skull shirt and like a, like a hoodie. She likes horror movies, she's really cute, and like, you can hang out with her later in the game, and there's another guy named Germ that you meet, a little bird guy who's super weird, but you can hang out with him too. Like I said, this point of the game, you're introduced to like this choice-based system of who to hang out with. Uh, who did you guys hang out with for the first night? I hung out with B, um, and Walker saw me play that part, so he hung out with Greg. So we both have our different interactions. Now, I'm glad that I hung out with Greg because I got to see a frog. And I'm or... glad I hung out with B because we got to shoplift from Fake Hot Topic, and I will not incriminate myself, but it was relatable. <laughs> and I say a frog, but I guess it's more of an approximation to a frog. I can't escape. They're always there. They're everywhere. All around you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. They're in the air. Yeah, I like that both the TV show that you picked and the game that you picked are perfectly you, but there's also frogs in both of them. I don't know how that works out, but, you know. Really, there's only a frog in this one if you make that choice, because you can pick two different animatronic figures, but I picked the frog. Who did you end up spending the day with, Chris? I think I, I, I went with Greg. I did Greg, too. I kind of try to change it up um, depending on the... I, I watched the other side to what you could do. Like, if I hung out with Greg, I watched the video on B. But, yeah. So, basically, with B, you either go to a mall and hang out there and steal stuff. Or you go to an abandoned grocery store with Greg and you get an old robot head. Fun, like, character development with the, like, relationship with B and May or Greg and May. Um, but whatever you choose, later that night, you have another dream where, like you mentioned earlier, Grace, that you start running around, like, this old ghost town, and you find these ghosts that are playing these instruments and every time you find them, they add a different part of the song, which I think is really cool. And I really love those dreams because the music is pretty incredible, I think. And it really drives home a feeling. But then at the end of the dream, 
a giant bear shows up and basically like consumes May, and that's the end of the dream. I think it's good that they put in a few safety measures as far as avoiding the, the player from feeling lost. Not that that would be a bad thing, but there's always the faint hint of where your next or where your closest musician is, where you have that sort of glowing aura in, a, in the corner of the screen to help kind of guide you, which I think... It, it worked. It wasn't too intrusive, but at the same point in time, like I said, it would kind of help if you felt like you weren't really entirely sure of the direction you were supposed to take, that you could sort of use that as your indication of, of what to do. This is truly a game that you can play without ever having to look up any sort of guide, I don't think, unless you want to get certain things accomplished or 100% the game, quote-unquote, but you can go through a playthrough and generally have an idea of what you should be doing or know what your options are at the bare minimum and go from there. Yeah, they never really introduce any new like game mechanics aside from like the different mini games, but they're all fairly similar. As you continue out through this part of the game, you keep hanging out with different people and you can hang out with B or Greg again. That time I hung out with uh, B and I helped her out on a work call. Which one did you guys do? I think we all did the same, right? Yeah. Oh, really? That's the one in the basement? Yeah. So another fun like little adventure with B. This was when I realized that you could only choose between B and Greg. Because I kept thinking, like, okay, I'm going to go do this, and then I'm going to go hang out with Greg. Because it always seemed more urgent to hang out with B because your relationship was kind of on the rocks. Yeah, I had that kind of impression, too. Like, I wanted to make amends with her, you know? That, that That's what's kind of interesting with hanging out with the two of them is B's hangouts are usually a lot more serious and realistic. And then Greg's are a lot looser and kind of goofy because if you chose Greg for this one, you beat up an old car, steal its battery, make a robot with that head you got from the last hangout for Greg's boyfriend, Angus. And then you go get food and you end up throwing pierogies in Greg's mouth in a minigame. So super, super ridiculous and cute, but way different from B and her um, furnace fixing job. I think what's interesting too is that you really have a choice between characters that are coming from different motivations because on one hand you have B who is unfortunately one of the inhabitants of the town that due to certain circumstances isn't really able to move away or really feels like she's found a good spot and Greg he's very energetic by nature but he also has a lot of hopeful aspirations about his future with Angus and where they want to end up and he knows that they might not be able to afford a very upscale living but he wants to at least have a change of setting and feels like that will be a good start to a a life that's his own more or less he wants to move to like a, a nearby town that's supposed to have like a better economy and like you said just a change of scenery because not a whole lot's going on for possum springs and they call it the plan and um 
when you find you actually find that out at um that hangout with greg where you make the robot after you go to the restaurant she he tells you about it and may's character is not super stoked about it she's kind of bummed and doesn't really show a lot of excitement um which i just thought was interesting because everyone kind of gets that feeling when a friend moves you know or someone that is close to them moves. Hmm, interesting. Can't relate. Huh. <laughs> I think that that sentiment is somewhat true, but I think that if you genuinely want your friend to succeed, you will be more happy about what they're doing as opposed to openly saying that you're not okay with it. Yeah, May is pretty um, immature. Very immature. Uh, I think it's more of a representation of like May's character than it is how most people would react to that because yeah most people would be pretty happy for him or bittersweet at the very least but may didn't seem to be really have anything to say about it it's kind of hard to be in her character because you do have to like they have you say dialogue or choose a dialogue and both of the options are like no don't leave and it's like well no that's that's not how I would react in the situation. I would, you know, at the very least pretend to be happy about it and then be upset about it later. But the problem is that May is a character who has unfortunately based her personality around her friends. And if her friends aren't there, then what she has left is unfortunately a lot of self-doubt and a lot of questioning and insecurity and uncertainty and you're right, Grace, to be in that headspace and to be forced in these options that make you put that out into the world of this game, it uh, it can be a bit much for an extended period of time. Yeah, because I would get some fatigue after a while and feel really bummed out because I was in the mind of all the characters for like maybe a little too long. But it speaks to the quality of the game. Even when I would come back for summer breaks from college half of my high school friends didn't go to college so I would come home and everyone was living a different life because some people were in very close relationships and had jobs and had a place and then some people were still living with their parents and some people were applying to do more school and some people were out of state and staying out of state and all of a sudden it's kind of like oh my god like are we still friends are we still doing this what what is your life what is my life um and like kind of having that chip on my shoulder about not wanting to be in the town that i grew up in it, it brought a bunch of feelings back that are not at all you know unique but it still was kind of like Oh, this is a little too close for home for two for like more than a couple hours of playing the game. The game is very relatable in just how its characters are structured and uh, like the way the story is structured. You, there's a, there's somebody for everybody in this, and I never had like that visceral reaction of like having to put the game down because I was getting affected. But I think that speaks to the game though that it affected you that way. It was kind of like oh. Yeah, I was kind of like this before I got everything together and grew up a little bit. And I don't really want to go back there. I don't like who I was. And to be in someone's skin at that stage, you know, being 20 years old. And even the, oh, she dropped out of college because it wasn't going well for her. College wasn't going well for me at first either. So it, it there was a lot of things I could relate to and was kind of either projecting or, you know, empathizing or whatever, maybe both. And getting a little worked up. Oh, really? I mean, I wasn't, you know, weeping on my Nintendo Switch, but 
Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. It's a very emotional game. Um, not like outwardly so, but with some of the notes it hits, it, like you were saying, it really does hit close to home that it isn't like, it is a game, but it really doesn't treat itself like a game. It treats itself more like a story or like a movie almost. Yeah, a lot of it is very visceral and um, authentic. That night, you, depending on who you hang out with, you have another dream where it's pretty similar to the previous dream, but instead of a bear, a giant squirrel shows up and explodes into light, and that's the end of the dream. Is this the dream where you're also on the train? Oh, I don't remember. No. I think that is the next one in the sequence. Okay, because, yeah, there's one where... The city you're on top of and navigating looks exactly the same, except it's on top of a train that's moving. Before we get too much further, I do want to mention that playing through the segment with B was a lot of fun, and I thought that the elderly woman, that character that you interact with, was very interesting. How I think she mentions that her husband had, had passed away, and she wanted to keep his remains, and... I forget who got involved, but a government official or somebody essentially told her no, and they had to take his body off the premises. It was morbid, but I thought it was kind of sad because clearly this woman is out here by herself, and to take away her person I thought was unfortunate, but... He was dead, though. True, but people get, you know, people are very attached to ashes and, and you know, certain things that meant a lot to their deceased relative you know things can be very much a totem and can keep alive a memory that given you know whatever is going on you you can't let go of at that time and it takes a while to process you know things grieving is is different and it it can it can really take a while for for certain people so in that in that small moment i think it was interesting to sort of just touch on that a little bit but yeah, I mean, there's a difference between grieving and Ed but... <laughs> yeah, right. I really like B's side of that. Like, I really like that hangout a lot for B because it shows a lot of a character for her. She's not just like an angry, angry woman that is just mean. You know, she's she's funny and she's smart and she knows what she's doing and she apparently deals pretty regularly with an elderly woman that keeps her dead husband on the couch. And despite May being so immature, and that does come through in her attempt to help fix the boiler, the end of the sequence with her gathering all the fireflies and showing that to be, I thought was very, it was touching. I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought so too. That's why I really, I, I preferred that hangout with B more than Greg's. I did Greg's, but... You know, it's, I've done both and there's just something about that scene with like, yeah, the fireflies and yeah, you know, it's just a good moment. It made their friendship make sense because you get why May likes B, but you don't understand why B likes May. And then I think she says something like, wow, you're really like kind of magical or kind of, you know, something else. And then you kind of see what she's gaining from the, you know, she gets some whimsy. She adds some lightness to B's otherwise pretty, like, boring, dark life. And there is a, a bit of that in the first sequence where you go to the mall and May is manipulating the, the water fountain. But I think that, that because you're, you know, you're quote-unquote attacking other people, uh, I think it, it, it's more of a destructive behavior and it kind of leans more to the May that we're already familiar with as opposed to 
in this scenario where uh, she's she's gathering the fireflies, and uh, I think it's, it's it's very much a a different and like you mentioned, Grace, a much more telling example of the bonds of their friendship, which I think is why this game feels the way that it does. I know it 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 can be frustrating to relate back or to kind of relive certain things, but these characters, they do have specific and realistic and human, I'm going to say, bonds, despite them being animals or, uh, what's the term? Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic, yeah. The thing with the, uh, the water fountain was really funny, just because you're basically, like, attacking people, and I'm like, I would never do that. But May and B are like, let's freaking do it! <laughs> It's 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 an interesting side to uh, a lot of these characters. So basically, all these hangouts are us just getting to know one of the characters a little bit more in the relationship with May. You have another dream that night, and the next morning, I don't know if you guys noticed, but your mom and we haven't really talked about the mom much, but you have kind of a weird passive conversation with her when usually it's very upbeat and goofy and fun but it was very short and her mom was just like i'm tired and not a lot to be said was this where she brings up the question of talking about college and how that ended for me or is that later i think she brings it up but they don't get into the fight if that's what you're talking about until another day okay this isn't where she she mentions how may's the first of their family to go to college that didn't happen yet no so like i said before we had the weird passive conversation with your mom and then you obviously have another choice between b or greg who'd you guys pick this time I picked Greg this time. I picked B. I feel like, for whatever reason, I was sort of drawn to wanting to know more about her. And for me, Greg wasn't as appealing. I think that, for whatever reason, I felt like I kind of knew what he was about, but I felt that there was more to B because she was becoming more of a fixture in the town. And I think that that was, to me, it felt more important to know about somebody like that as opposed to somebody who was set on leaving and setting out on their own. Yeah, it's it's funny that you pick B here. I pick B also, but this is the hangout that you kind of learn a bit more about Greg, that he's not just a goofy, doesn't really think about anyone other than himself kind of guy. Like, you get some depth with this night with him. But you, you, you picked Greg this time, Grace? Yeah, I did. What did you think? It was good, but it gave me like the heebie-jeebies. So what happens is you, you're on the back of, he has like a little motorbike. So you're on the back of it, you drive into the woods, and then you're on this log, and he's on one side of the log and you're on the other, and you take turns stabbing each other in the hand. <laughs> it's really dumb. The switch was like vibrating when you got hit and I really was like feeling it. I didn't, I did not like it. it. There was a timing to it, but you played for so long and you were stabbing each other in the hands with switchblades. Yeah, you know, as you do with just stabbing your friends in the hands. Like, who hasn't done that? Of course, yeah. It's a classic game. Yeah, I mean, that's how they were talking about it. That was like, oh, of course, you want to start doing that thing that we used to do where we stabbed each other's hands? And got all bloody. So, Unreal. Yeah. So you do that, but then afterwards, after the game goes on forever, <laughs> and then you f- it finally ends, and then you go out towards a lake, and Greg gets kind of quiet and says, like, I don't know, like, I really love Angus, and I love our life together, but I feel like 
I'm not good enough for him. I'm such a goof and he's so serious and kind and he's the reason my life is good. And just kind of expressing feelings of, you know, doubt about the relationship, but also kind of a desperation to keep it going. Yeah, like they say that they've been getting into fights and that Angus doesn't have a good social life or uh, sorry, a good family life. That's what it was. Yeah. He said like he felt bad for Angus and was kind of saying, like, the fights were his fault. That he's, like, self-centered and kind of, like, immature, I guess. And um, when Angus is pretty opposite. Yeah, and then, yeah, that, that's a big thing with that. Is that Greg's acting real weird, that whole hangout. He keeps just, like, running away without saying anything. And just wanting to, like, do something, do something, do something. And then, yeah, then you have that conversation with him, which... You know, we get a little bit more depth and understanding of Greg, which I thought was cool. Um, but then with, with B, uh, you basically just have dinner with her and her dad. There isn't really any, like, mini games. You, like, pick what to eat for dinner. Quick question about that, Chris. So, I don't know if this happened for you, but my meal ended up being a bust. Oh, no. Yeah, they they hated it. I think my ingredients, I sort of halfway thought of an idea and then went a different direction. So I picked some chicken, potatoes, and something else. And it was that third thing that threw off the entire recipe for whatever reason. With the green beans? Possibly. Yeah, I think later they on they say that beef is best or something, that like they like beef the most. Um I didn't actually know you could get a bad reaction. Yeah, and I thought we were, you know, we're working with a small budget, so chicken over beef. Yeah, chicken's the cheapest, you know, that's just economy. So I guess you can have a bad meal with uh, B and her dad. But I think the most interesting part is what happens after you eat. B and her dad get into kind of a fight about the shop because... B's dad owns the old pickaxe, which is like the hardware store that B works at. And there's some like tension with that, obviously. And B goes to her room and May kind of oversteps her bounds a little bit and they get into a huge fight. Right. Essentially, the crux of the argument is that the dad is still technically, he owns the business and everything, but it's fallen to be that she has to be the one to run everything and manage it while he unfortunately i think due to some either physical or other problems can't participate in that anymore right i don't know if he's just getting old but basically he's the owner and like name only b does all the day-to-day and house call stuff like that and this is where she mentions which is sort of a part that i had brought up earlier But there is an employee, and she's using this as an example of, I don't know if it's to maybe explain to May the situation more succinctly, or just to give a broader explanation to the audience. But there's an employee who's suggested that they're a pedophile of some type, or maybe along that same, that that kind of line. Oh no. And I thought it was that character, the the bird character. Oh no, 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 no. I'm I'm wrong about that. Okay, then I'm I'm not entirely sure which character it is. I don't think we ever see the character. He's kind of just spoken of. The issue and what's brought up is that he still works at the store because he is, I guess, for whatever reason, he's a he's a good worker and he more or less kind of runs the 
other employees that are more involved with the labor. He's like their best employee. He knows the most and he, um, yeah, like you said, he kind of runs the show. Because when B mentions that, May says, well, why don't you just fire him? And B's like, well, why can't I? How could I? He's the best worker. Uh, you know, he basically runs the show. Uh, I can't just fire him. He has a family, too. And she adds a lot of, like, realism to the situation. And May is like, well, you shouldn't have to deal with that. And B says, well, yeah, I know, but that's life. Right. And she also mentions that her dad explicitly tells her to stay away from him when she's either a young adult or a teen. And um, that kind of starts the conversation. But it also makes me wonder about her saying that, if that is as far as her explaining why they can't let him go or they won't. If it's sort of what her dad has ascribed to the situation or if it's what, what she has taken away from it, it's, it's hard to tell. Either way, it's like a very complicated issue that May has really no understanding of and starts something with B that she shouldn't have. And they get into a big fight. We kind of learn a little bit more about B that she is tough because she has to basically take care of her dad. And your mom passed and she's got a lot of depth. Definitely. And... Unfortunately, because May either doesn't know how or isn't 100% wanting to face her own failures, she wants to, in certain instances, throw out her opinion and, and kind of act like it is the most correct. Yeah, it's it's a very like naive standpoint where, oh, you should just quit or you should just tell your dad to give you the shop or you should uh, you know fire this guy. It's like... I mean, some of those maybe she could do, but all like it's all very unrealistic, especially when there is no real understanding of what is going on. It's the black and white interpretation that does not fit either our reality or the reality set within the game. And I uh, I want to mention that this is somewhat off topic, but I saw this this game described as uh, the setting being a, a quote Rust Belt Gothic. And I think that that is a perfect description. I think that really hits it on the head. At first, you assume you're maybe in the Midwest somewhere, but given that one of the developers is from Pennsylvania, uh, it definitely gives off stronger vibes of, of that area of the country. To go back to the argument a little bit, the game kind of, now that I'm thinking back on it, is kind of, it reminds me in a way of Catcher in the Rye in that it's kind of a litmus test of if you are identifying with a protagonist and think that you've got all the answers you're probably kind of immature. Whereas if you're feeling a lot of the feelings that the townspeople are having or relate more with B, you've, you know, probably had a little bit more life experience. You don't see the world in black and white. You have to see things how they are and make compromises. Yeah, that's, I would say that that is the biggest issue with May as a character. Not that it's an issue in and of itself, but it's just something that she has to understand the necessity of compromise yeah and i think that was why it was maybe painful i think i did kind of already say this but 
to go back into that mindset because it felt like regressing, but not far enough away that it was like, oh no, I can remember very clearly feeling like I knew all the answers and feeling all of these weird growing up feelings and I don't like them and I'm glad that I've moved on, but then to go back to where I was five years ago doesn't feel so good. But I, I think the game is great. And even you saying that um, Alec, the developer, was saying, oh, what? well, why doesn't B just leave? Why doesn't, like, why do the townspeople hate it so much? Why doesn't everyone just move? He's acting in a way that's like May, where you're just, you just don't have the life experience to be able to answer those questions. Yeah, I think May at one point says you always have a choice. And, I, you know, obviously she's technically correct, but it, it's not really that easy. I think... B's dad needs like certain medications so there's no other way she'd pay for them and yeah it's like it's a very gray area when May is very black and white and doesn't really know a lot about what's going on yeah it's also very American because you know maybe a developer that lives in Canada can't relate to that and that's a good thing because he thought he was going to get shot if he came to America and he didn't understand why People have to stay in bad circumstances so they can afford medicine. Not to get political, but, you know, it it is another thing. Yeah, it is another thing. It wasn't just about the medication. It was like, well, you know, this needs to be going on. Like, they need to be running this business. And and how else are they going to pay for bills? But, yeah, it, it is kind of representative of how it is to live here. Yeah, and even with May dropping out of college, it's a big deal not only that she dropped out and there's this whole family lineage of no one's ever gone to college in this family. You were the f- supposed to be the first one. It's also incredibly expensive and the family suffers because of that. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to like kind of get on to the next thing. Again, May has another dream that night, similar to the other one, but this time at the end it's a giant crocodile. I don't know. I don't think Dana was really symbolize anything, but um, that happens. But... That night, or that morning, May gets into a big argument with her mom, and it's a lot of it is about what you just talked about, Grace, is that she was supposed to be the first to go to college, and that no other Borowski has ever gone to college. You were the first, and me and your dad have spent our whole lives like saving for this, for you to just think it's not a good fit. So it's a very heavy conversation very early in the morning with your mom. Depending on who you hung out with, you just had a fight the night before with B. So, uh, not having a great day already. And I think, I, I don't know if you would call this a mechanic, but because your parents are more or less in the house in opposite ends of the day, meaning that your mom is usually there in the morning, and then when you come home at night, you can kind of see your dad on the couch and you can watch TV with him. It kind of is emblematic of what they are having to do in order to maintain whatever level of income that they need in order to keep the house and stay where they are and 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 sort of have that that life that they they've had and not either uh have to cut back or have to move and i also really like the fact that it gives you an opportunity to have more of an intimate one-on-one interaction with both parents because i think that if they were there at the same time things would kind of blur and they may not feel as individual as they they do in the current state yeah they definitely become more individuals uh because you hardly ever see them 
I think you only ever see them once together, and that's uh, and the before the the party in the woods where you know you have tacos, and that's like really all you say. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that the differences in their character is really interesting. The mom is really goofy and like sweet, and the dad is a lot more stoic and goofy. But you know, he he's like a real dad, basically. Yeah, he has a great line where he says. Essentially, you spend most of your life as an adult vaguely stressed. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very unfortunate, but also very true. And he also says his best hangover cure is to not drink the night before. <laughs> <laughs> also, also very true. I really like the dad. He's very, uh, I find him very calming. Um, things always seem a little bit better, like after talking to him, I guess. You get into this fight with your mom about... It's initially college, but then, like you said, Walker becomes that they might not be able to afford the house anymore. And then May starts, like, pointing fingers that it's, like, their fault that she is the way it is. And it doesn't end well, but then you leave. And, uh, yeah, you go around town and you can do whatever. But that night is Harfest, which is kind of like their town's version of Halloween. I don't think it is Halloween proper, then you, you go around, you get dressed up, you get in a cute little costume, you got a, like a little pointy hat with a knife going through it. Which I wish we could have kept that look for the rest of the game, that would have been so great. I would have liked different costumes, that would have been kind of cool. So you you go help B at a play that she's hosting at the uh, old pickaxe, and it's kind of just some like old story about the town, Not a, I don't know how much of it is. Um, really relevant to the story, but you see the janitor again. Very Shakespearean. Very Shakespearean, yeah. Very, like, over-the-top and dramatic. Well, I mean, in, in that having a, a play within within your play Oh yeah. type of thing. Yeah, it was just like the town was founded by, like, some evil witch and cursing the villagers, and I don't, it was not very relevant to the story, I don't think. I mean, maybe vaguely, if I were to do more research, probably line up with some events later, but barely. There's probably some symbolism there. <laughs> Once we get paid to do this podcast, I'll look it up. <laughs> right. For now, we're going to say it was irrelevant. It's irrelevant because uh, time. But after that, you are hanging out by the statue outside of the little pickaxe, and you see a kid get kidnapped. Pretty light stuff again. Grace is making the Home Alone face, and <laughs> you chase down the person. Not only kidnapped, but it looks like they might have been either chloroformed or something had happened because there's a struggle, and then they're not struggling, so... Yeah, they, they knock the kid out, they throw him over his shoulder, and they run off. Your character, May, chases after him, and they jump a fence, and it's like, how did they go through that? That's crazy. And then you are stopped by your aunt cop holly and she brings you back home and that's basically the end of that night and then there's another dream yeah so you have another dream the next day it's the end of part two and the beginning of part three the long fall and you are not you you wake up and your mom you talk to your mom again and you kind of make amends and say that it's not like how you need to communicate or how you want to communicate and that part is better, but you know, you're still kind of processing what happened the night before and 
you go to your friends and you basically tell them what happened and they agree to help you figure out what's going on. May thinks it's that they're ghosts and she thinks it's kind of connected to what's happening in her dreams. So then you get the op- three options to go to the cemetery with B, to go to the historical society with Greg, or to go to the park possum jump with Angus. Uh, which one did you guys do first? I went to the graveyard first. So did I. Okay, me too. Well, technically you go to the library and then the graveyard, correct? Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you go to the library to do some research about where might be some interesting places to go and, you know, do some digging. But you go to the library, you use the uh, the microfiche and um, do some digging and, yeah. So, thanks to B, you decide that the Cemetery Historical Society and the Park Possum Jump are three places to check out um, because there were ghost sightings there. So, you guys, we all went to B's place first, I guess, the cemetery. Why not? Right, why not? Yeah, I think it made the most sense because it seemed like, oh, do research with B first. Like, oh, that's what you do in all those movies. You go to the library, you do the microfiche, and then you move on. So, you go to the graveyard with B. Uh, B visits her mom's grave, and at first, not a whole lot happens. You're kind of just walking around the graveyard looking for any clues to this ghost called Old Tim, I think. Something like that. I felt a little bit guilty because I wanted to kind of stay by B and see if she was going to have a conversation with her mom because I wanted to get a little bit of insight into that, but I felt kind of like I, I shouldn't, so I did eventually just walk around, but I was very tempted to just kind of hang around and see if she had any kind of reaction. Yeah, I don't know if she does or not. So there is some, like, heaviness to that because she visits her mom and, um, obviously you're walking around a graveyard and you... Oh, it's Little Joe is the name of the grave, um, or of the person you're looking for. After that, you go and start exploring this graveyard more and you find a bunch of weird teens in the graveyard and... They ask you a bunch of, like, weird questions about personal things, and um, I think they ask, like, what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you? I think they ask you if you have had sex before. Yeah, the first thing they ask is if you've had sex. Which is a very teenager thing. Oh, I'm going to ask someone who's older than me. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, they're teens, and they, like, are just, they're super weird, and they have, like, this (laughs) mystic vibe, like, they're sages, and they're guardians of this graveyard and it's all very goofy but it's it's kind of fun yeah they ask you if you have sex um and then they ask you the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you and i i think i picked high school or middle school where may says she had her period for the first time oh i didn't get that one that's funny which one did you guys get i think i did college because i wanted to see what happened because you don't know at this point why she dropped out so i thought that i would get some insight what did she say do you remember she was at the dining hall and she like saw a girl that she thought was pretty and she wanted to talk to her so she just kind of screamed her name and then the girl looked at her and was kind of confused and then she like fell into a trash can or something yeah she fell into a trash can got applesauce or something that was in the trash can on her, and then she vomited. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> May did or the girl did? May did because of whatever it gotten on her clothing. But before we keep going, I want to also bring up the... There was a... It was a pretty quick line, but when B is about to go and visit her mom's grave, she mentions that 
they had to put her coffin and, and gravestone in this lower section of the uh, graveyard because they couldn't afford the hill. And I think that that was interesting given that this town clearly was a boom town at one point with the mining operation that was going on and you did have a lot of wealth flowing through it. But now and clearly in the time that B's mother passed away, there has been a, a and it's, it's obvious from, from the start of the game, but there's been a clear shift in the economic prospects of everybody in the town. But I think that that comment was very succinct with with that motif and i thought it was very it was sad and also very interesting yeah and they were having um sinkholes problems with sinkholes right she wanted to check if the grave was still there because of sinkholes which is like a really unique issue to have but also like a really scary one if that's like actually an issue for you it reminded me of poltergeist oh man they moved the headstones but they didn't move the bodies (laughs) That's such a good movie. Oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. That was a good pick from Grace. Once a week or so, the three of us will get together and and pick a movie, and that's, that happened to be a movie that Grace had picked. I hadn't seen it. Had you seen it, Chris? No, I've heard of it, but... None Chris, of us have. Yeah, it was new to all of us, but sidebar, go watch Poltergeist because it is not like any other supernatural or possession movie that you've ever seen. I don't know if I'd call it possession, but... It's it's very unique and just a lot of fun. So Yeah, and those movie nights are how we started this podcast because we would have long discussions afterwards. And we're like, well, we might as well, you know, make this a, a, a big thing. Yeah, some podcast lore for you. So instead of a movie, it's, you know, a different item of media that we're going to discuss. You know, a game, a TV show, an album. Uh, yeah, our description. <laughs> our intro, yeah. To kind of get back, get past the teens and... You find the gravestone and you you open it up because I think May has like a, like a break for a second. She's like, that can't be all there is. And she starts jumping on it and it causes a mini sinkhole and the coffin pops up and they open it and there's a body in there, of course. But um, it's not all that was there. The uh, B sees one of the ghosts or somebody in the corner of her eye and as a player in may you know it's like that same individual that kidnapped the kid the previous time the same silhouette we we don't know like i guess as may she's kind of like an unreliable narrator i guess we don't know for sure if it is somebody or the ghost or whatever b is not very convinced but you escape the graveyard and you run out. B thinks it was just the, the the groundskeeper or like a, you know, security guard type thing, but May is not convinced. I think by necessity of B's character and how practical she is, it's the only response that would make sense for her to have. It's good to juxtapose May's reaction. They have a good dynamic because B is very grounded and realistic. Like, the whole reason they go to the library is... Because Bay actually says, well, I think we may as well, we, we should do a tiny bit of research and not just start going ghost hunting. She's the only reason that this part of the game exists, because May wanted to go ghost busting. That night, you, you get back home and you have another strange dream, this time at the end with the giant bird. 
and that's kind of it. Then you get to pick one other person to do research with. I did Greg. Uh, who did you guys do? I did Greg, too. I didn't realize you could only pick two of the three, so I was kind of upset because I wanted to talk to Angus, but I didn't realize. I also picked Greg. Oh, no, no one did Angus, poor boy. Darn it. I think, for whatever reason, the game just sort of had trained me at that point that those were the only two people that would really give me anything to go on, so... I'll, I'll, I'll say what happens with Angus after, but, um... Yeah, we go. You go to the historical society with Greg after hours, and um, yeah, you break in. Greg gets attacked by an owl, with <laughs> made me laugh like audibly to myself when I was playing it. There's just something about the timing and the sound that Greg makes <laughs> when he gets attacked is just like perfect. As a quick note, just if Kimberly from A Date with Dateline is listening, owl theory. I got you. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Here, I'll explain. I'll explain it briefly. There's some inside joke here. No, it's not an inside joke. It's a true crime inside joke because if you guys have watched The Staircase, there's, um, so there's this woman who, this her husband finds her dead at the bottom of the staircase and you can either kind of believe that he did it or it was an accident and she fell down the stairs but either way she's dead and there's blood everywhere but there was this alternative theory that got uh some traction that she might have been attacked by an owl and it sounds crazy but also it doesn't i guess owls are way more dangerous than i had previously thought apparently you if you get hit by an owl like it'll knock the wind out of you they're they're fighters thankfully greg does not die after getting attacked by owl theory um and you you explore this historical society and um it's actually pretty intense i thought where you are going around this broken place uh it's dark and you know you're you're opening and breaking into these different doors and rooms and uh yeah eventually someone else enters the building and they start kind of like chasing you down and you are actively avoiding them as you're running around the building i just thought of this but in another way of distinguishing your interactions with b and greg so you have the mission if you want to call it that with greg where you visit the derelict shopping mall and now again with the historical society where you have a a, a place that's sort of run down and it kind of shows that maybe if that's what greg is seeing that's kind of his motivation or part of a, uh, the reason why he might want to be somewhere else or to quote one of the songs anywhere else but there and you have instances with B where you're going to this old woman's house and you know it's an individual that that still needs people to look after them a lot like her father and there's still people that need other people in the town it's it's sort of a a selfless thing and it kind of shows why you know part partly why uh she is where she is and also then with with going to the graveyard and and her mom being there that's obviously key to um why she's in possum springs to begin with 
Um, and I think that, that like I said, I'm just, you know, just sort of spitballing, but I think it's interesting that you kind of have those missions play off of their character. I, and I could be drawing very thin lines here, but I think that that's pretty interesting. And, and if that was the intent, it's it's pretty pretty well done. Yeah, it's it, it shows difference between the characters real well just with like the actions that they choose and what they say and that's what i like about the game is that like everyone's a little bit more profound than you think so you you eventually escape through a fire escape and then you see that same silhouette in the window and depending on who you chose in what order make it's like visibly unwell and then you go back to angus and greg's place and you have a team huddle but real quick before we get into what happens then i'm going to kind of briefly talk about what happens with angus's side um because i think it's actually the better of the three options well i think it's my it's my favorite of the three options probably because you don't see a lot of angus throughout the game and you don't get a lot of one-on-one interactions with them so basically you go to the park with uh, angus and you are walking around looking for you know whatever ghost evidence you can find and you kind of just learn a lot more about angus uh at one point greg says that angus has a very toxic family and you kind of learn what that actually was through this it was like a lot of like emotional abuse like they locked him in a pantry at one point and they were like really christian and or like religious i'm not sure exactly what but not not good people um but angus you have like this moment when you're sitting on this log and he starts talking about the stars and you look at constellations with him constellations are a big thing in the game and uh yeah angus has this kind of quote where he says that people are pattern finders and that's the reason that we make sense out of things and it's just a really cool, pretty moment between this otherwise stoic guy that you don't really know a lot about, but he's a really smart guy and, you know, he's a good dude. It's actually really, I actually got goosebumps when I first saw that. Like, they're having like this intimate conversation about Ingus's family, and then he just says, stop. And he says that he sees somebody out of the corner of his eye, someone staring at them. And then, yeah, it's another, it's the same silhouette, and they run back to the car and they, they get back safely and, uh... Yeah, that's what happens with Angus. You go back to the apartment, and then I think you go home later that day, and you have a dream, and this dream is very different from the other dreams. You talk to, like, this giant cat who May thinks is God, but this entity says it's this whole other thing, and it's like this eldritch horror or something. It's very cool. And it talks in this weird past, present, and future tense. It's it's very bizarre. And they start talking and the cat shows like this weird kind of creepy vision of what's going to happen to the universe. And it shows like a bunch of fleas and creepy bugs. And it's very intense. And then it says that it's leaving now and it won't forget May, but not because it cares, but because like that's all it knows. And then it's over. What did you guys think? I thought that was a really surreal interaction. Yeah, I think given the abrupt change that happens from this point on, I think it's fitting, but helps bridge that gap because without this, I think you would really be thrown off kilter and it would be harder to accept how things turn, in my opinion. 
Yeah. There's, there's a big tonal shift at this point of the game. In fact, there is no, like, stopping point after this. It's like, this is the end of the game now, and there's no saving, there's no stopping, really. You kind of just have to play it through, which really makes it seem very urgent, you know? So, well, what did you think, Grace? Did you have anything to add to that? Um, I actually, I wish I took some screenshots of the dialogue, because I remember May saying something about wanting to have an effect on the universe, and wanting to, and I'm totally paraphrasing, because I played the game once and didn't take screenshots, but... It seemed like she was saying, like, she doesn't really care what mark she makes as long as it's something. Um, but it was just another representation of that more juvenile mentality, because I definitely remember kind of screaming that at 17, of just like, I need to mean something! And don't get me wrong, there are still days where I kind of freak out and, you know, have an existential crisis, but it was another thing that made it seem like, oh wow, isn't this just a video game? Like, why am I having all these feelings? But of course it's not, and if you like video games as much as three of us, or especially you two, you know that games are a lot more than, you know, Mario. But, um... Hey, hey, Mario's deep. He goes through so much. I can't get into this right now. (laughs) What are you trying to say? Don't disparage Mario. Don't disparage my guy. Alright, it's bigger than Tetris. Is that better? I don't know. I'll allow it. There's a uh, there's a very serious Ego Raptor animated video about the vertical Tetris piece and how he's just used by all his friends because he's like the best piece. That sounds like your acrostic poem, Chris. Oh gosh, that that poem. It was found and it was just as edgy as I remember. So after that dream, you meet up back with your friends and May says that she has to kind of like get to the bottom of this. She thinks there's something over the fence and she says that she has to like do it alone. They all think that's crazy and they end up going with her anyways. And you travel past the fence. So then we see a huge group of people and it's actually like a really dark scene where there's this guy and he's like trapped under a rock, like his legs stuck under a rock. And it's all it's all these other like people in hoods. They're saying that he screwed up and that he has to get punished and that like they didn't want to do this, but they have to do this for the town. And yeah, then they I think they like cut off his leg or something. After that happens, the characters freak out. All the hooded figures notice them and they start chasing them down. And you get like a little mini game of May running away and you have to like jump over stuff and you have to get away from the silhouette. And uh, yeah, then eventually you get shot at and you fall down a hill and there's this weird dream sequence almost of you in and out of consciousness. You're in the hospital and you know, like your family and friends are there and they're talking like you're dead. But then you wake up and you find yourself walking back well at the, after that i think depending on who you were closer friends with you play as either greg or b i ended up playing as greg um did you guys play as them too i played as b it i was think really i quick. did too it's not like big thing but yeah i played as greg you're walking around the apartment and it's basically just kind of setting up that something happened to may like she got hurt and they're all trying to stay under the radar because now they're like oh god there's like this crazy group of people so then eventually may comes back and you show up back at the apartment she looks super unwell 
and you have this conversation with whoever your good friend was at that time and you find out what happened with May in college. It was a, a very like unique kind of explanation to what happened, but it also made a lot of sense about how someone would react the way they did. May had this like kind of like reality break and she just started seeing everybody as shapes and she was like really upset, sad, mad, all the above about it and she didn't really know what was real and what wasn't. She needed something more familiar so she goes back home to live with her family and see her old friends. I think at the beginning when she's at the party in the woods and she gets drunk and maybe when B is taking her home, she says something about vaguely when she was in college or right before she left. She alludes to this incident where she says something like, everybody was just, just looked like shapes to me and it didn't really add up or something to that effect. Yeah, it's a very real kind of thing that happened to me. Um, obviously it was like terrible how she dealt with it, but you know, sometimes things like that happen. Obviously she's very torn up about it, but you either have the conversation with Gregor B and you, you talk through it with them and, uh, yeah, then you, you pass out for the night and you decide that you need to really get this dealt with. So May alone goes into the forest to confront the ghost and that is when you see the silhouette and it's just staring at May and she's trying to get answers out of them and they're not saying anything and it looks like it's going to be pointless until a crossbow bolt flies off screen and hits the the silhouette ghost in the shoulder and he freaks out and B, Greg, and Angus show up to back May up and then you chase the guy down into the caves and you are basically info dumped what has been going on this whole time and it's very dark and it's very screwed up it's basically uh hot fuzz if you guys have seen that movie but with animals and dark gods apparently so turns out there's a cult in the game that's been sacrificing people to this pit in the cave that talks to select people and when they sacrifice somebody they get more jobs or more money or flowers start to bloom and a bunch of mystic kind of stuff goes on obviously the three of the the four of them are all very upset by this and you know they 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 fight and it turns out that Casey, their old friend, was at one point sacrificed. It's very dark, and they basically say, you can leave, we're not going to hurt you, you guys are part of the town, and they are let go. But while they're leaving, one of the cult members attacks May, and they basically kill him inadvertently by going up an elevator and they attack the guy attacked may and angus closes the elevator and it kills the guy on the elevator and after that it causes a, a cave-in and they find they have to find a different way to get out and as they're leaving may's obviously not doing super hot but 
they cross this like underground lake and she has this crazy moment surreal like out of body experience where she wants to live and she wants to like continue living her life even if she makes mistakes she still wants to do it and it's like her turning point and it's very nice and it's very good and after that she's kind of better then you escape germ helps you out and you all end up back home one reason that the cultists allowed the group to leave was because they needed a new generation of cultists to do these sacrifices to keep the town going because they were like oh we're all getting old so we need someone else to start doing this yeah they they, they gave them like an elevator pitch of why you would want to do this in the future and they're all like no we don't want to do that or we'll think about it just so they can leave and um yeah, it's uh, it's very screwed up. Yeah, so they think they're doing this good for the, the world or for their town at the very least. They get trapped in the cave-in and it's implied that they are not able to get out. We don't really know what happens exactly because nobody knows who these characters actually are. Then you end up back home. May sends this message to all of her friends about how crazy the night was and how she's glad that they're around. And it's a very, I think, pretty moment. And then that's kind of the end of the game, really, because after that you have the epilogue and you kind of go around wrapping things up with different characters. Uh, You have a conversation with your mom that you were finally going to talk about what happened at college later that night. And you have a conversation with your dad who throughout the whole game was basically just saying, you know, work's work, you got to work. It's better than my old job. But he kind of comes clean and says that he hates work. He hates uh, how, like, bosses treat him now and how he just wanted his wife and May to be happy and have, like, time to do stuff. So it's a nice moment with the dad, and you can talk to different members of uh, the town that you were hanging out with throughout the game, like the uh, the old constellation guy, uh, Mr. Chekhov, I think his name is, and um, you find the last constellation. You can talk to Lori, who has a bad family life, and you invite her to have dinner with you and the family. Then you have band practice, and depending on who your friend was, you meet up with them first, and they go to the band practice with you, and you have a conversation about what happened that night, and what this means, and did any of it matter. It's very cool, uh, very nice. Uh, who did you guys get an ending with? I assume you got it with B. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I got it with Greg. I think they're pretty similar in just the like how screwed up the night was and like they inadvertently killed a bunch of people depending on who you talk to because with B they 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 say they, they want to have a road trip and like it's just kind of plans about what to do in the future and with Greg they talk about who to uh, if if like May can live with them in this place that they want to move. Or if she can just visit. And yeah, that's pretty much the game. You can get multiple endings depending on who you hang out with more throughout the game. Like uh, that girl Lori I was telling you about. There's some dialogue with them if you hang out with her a lot. 
Or if you hang out with Jerome a lot, you at one point can go to his house and you tell your friend that. And that's supposed to be like a big moment because Jerem is like really closed off from the rest of the people. And there's uh, some just variations you can get in the ending. So there's some replayability there. I really wanted to come back a little bit to this elder god or this entity that the cult is is sacrificing to in a way it's almost a machine for nostalgia in that they want to recapture the prosperity and and the good times but really i think may is also struggling with that concept and to have it be part of what's affecting the town as a character i think is very a very good parallel to to create because I think it, it gives more depth to May as a character. But we get a lot of examples of reasons why this cult is not the solution. You can't be voluntarily discarding these individuals that are in the town that might not be ones that are missed necessarily because they still have value. You know, it's it's people like or instances like when. You go with B to help the, the old woman. Uh, it it happens when you're talking to, uh, I'm forgetting, the one character who's who's very good at poetry, but they're... Selmers. You know, kind of... Yeah, they're kind of down and, and, and really not, not having the best time. But at the end of it all, you have to be more about lifting people up as opposed to just lifting yourself up or trying to maintain a certain consistency and a certain level of complacency about yourself and the line that really stuck with me that i wanted to to bring up was the concept of at the end of everything hold on to anything i think that to me uh it i don't know why it just really like it struck me and i kind of had to take a, a moment to sort of process it and think about what that really meant and and you know what that meant for me and all and really the other characters but i think overall you know this story and regardless of of how you ended up at the end of the game as far as who you hung out more with or what you did and didn't do i think you still get that same feeling of growth and you still get a a sort of lifting of maybe any any sort of impending doom you know that the game may have bogged you down with in the beginning because really there's an oppressive atmosphere that that's sort of looming in really the first third i would say and as we as we move on i think things do pick up and and there's more that's that's interesting and there's more to investigate and more to understand but there's also more moments that are very specific and very just emotional and uh i think that that's one of the, the things that this being a story-driven game that clearly makes it, it stand out among other imitators or other more impressive uh, quote-unquote projects that might not be indie in nature. But this, in its simplicity, I think accomplishes a lot. Yeah, I don't think I could really say it better myself. Um, you hit like a lot of good notes on that. Um, I kind of wanted to go off of what you said with the uh like just because like someone doesn't have like perceived value that they're not worth anything it's implied that germ was gonna be sacrificed at one point and 
Um, he says like someone followed him around one night and obviously that didn't happen. But if you hang out with Jerem a lot, you find out he's actually like a pretty good guy. And um, I don't know if you guys ended up going to his house. Uh, it's a cool moment because he invites you over to dinner with his family. His mom is super sweet and you know, like they're having sloppy joes or something. And after all that, May essentially asks, like, why did you invite me? You don't really, like, we're not super close and whatnot. But Germ says, you kind of just seemed like you needed a hand. And that's basically all it is. And it's a really nice moment. He says, like, I wouldn't have invited Greg or B or Angus over because they kind of seem like they know what they need right now. But you don't. So hopefully this will help you. Just because these old farts in a cave sacrificing people down the hole don't think this guy has value it's obviously not true because everybody has value in some way right uh, another instance uh that i i was trying to think of an example but there's also bruce his character and what goes on with him i don't know if there's more to that is is there more to that than what you see between his interaction with the pastor yeah, I don't know. There, He does know that there's something like weird going on because he talks about like the creepy sounds in the forest um, and like voices and things like that. I don't know how much he actually knows, so to say, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like left open-ended. Well, I think his instincts to camp out at the very geographical top of the town when you have all this sort of bad karma and negativity happening in the mine that's down you know towards the, the the depths i think that that instinct is spot on and and uh it's interesting that obviously it's a little bit on the nose to put a church in that same place but it's nice to see that he isn't necessarily shunned yeah no there's a lot of kindness shown towards him which is very kind and good um he's he's really treated like a person and not that you a lot of people wouldn't treat a homeless guy as a person but a lot of people don't um so that's not something you get to see represented very positively and if there is like some symbolism there but when you're talking about him being on the highest point and them the cult members being the lowest point uh bruce i mean he's not a perfect guy but he seems like a pretty good guy and by the cult standards he would be like a prime sacrifice subject but you know he's got his own life he's got a he's got a kid you know there's there's things that he has brought into the world and it's odd that you have this weird two-sided coin in that the cult is sacrificing people they deem to have no value and yet on the, on the other end of it, these people are ostensibly providing either these individuals or the town itself with a, a buoy, with a lifeline, with a sort of infusion of either wealth tangibly or with just more opportunity. And that is, it's, it's just interesting that that weird mindset to, that the, the, these cult members sort of adopt. We don't even know if it's real. You know, they they could just be doing this because they think it's helping. There is no clear, like, this is happening. Like, this is actually helping the town. It could just be a bunch of crazy people throwing people down a hole. Like, we don't really know. Uh, but if it is or isn't real, it doesn't really even matter because it's happening. And um, it's very screwed up. What did you want to add, Grace? Um, I think a lot of the things I've said throughout the podcast are how I feel overall as well as in the moment. I think it's a really, 
I mean, as far as what you guys were talking about with the people of value, I agree completely with what you were saying. But as an overall, you know, how I felt with the game, I thought it was um, really good and it really captured that time and headspace of your early 20s, I think, pretty well. And I mean, the art was great, the music was great, the story was great. I mean, I, I guess I would have maybe had a little bit more gameplay involved if I were to have one critique, but then it would maybe take away from the story. So I'd ra you know, I'd rather have more story and less game, but I still feel like they could have added a bit more interaction. It's a bit like a fine line. Um, I think with all the mini games they they had that they didn't really need to have, it added a lot of good gameplay elements, but it is, yeah, it's more about the story than it is about the game mechanics. Um, it would be cool to have seen like some more mechanics added throughout the game, but you know, that's kind of subjective at that point, if that would make it better or not. Yeah, and I'm sure that whatever they, you know, what they released is not all that they worked on, and maybe they had a lot more gameplay and realized that it was slowing everything down or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really a great game, and I'd recommend it to anyone, especially people who aren't really gamers. It's a good game for non-gamers. That's the big reason why I recommended it, because I think really anybody can get into it if you like a good story and you like good characters and good writing. And um, it's very charming and it's really fun. If anything, just playing it to see all the little doodles that May puts into her notebook, I think makes it perfect for anybody. Speaking of doodles, I think we would do this whole episode a disservice if we didn't talk about Sharkle for a microsecond. Sharkle's like this little, like, uh, I don't know, what would you call him? He's like, I was going to say he's like Clippy um, for like the computer where you click him and he just makes this like random sound and he's the best boy and he is perfect and there needs to be more of Sharkle. Um, if you guys go hang out with Greg on that second hangout, Instead of going to the uh, the work call with B, you at one point get electrocuted from the car battery you're taking out and you like pass out for a second and you start speaking to Sharkle, who you think is like God. And it's very funny and it's very cute. But uh, yeah, it was a good moment. I guess that's kind of it. I'm as like a very like less minor thing I wanted to add. When the game first came out in the epilogue, uh, you didn't see. Do you know like the 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 city council team, like those four people that were always going around, like giving Pastor K a hard time and whatnot. Um, before you didn't see them in the epilogue and you never saw your aunt cop holly in the epilogue either and there was a theory that they were in the cult um but that got kind of changed after they they had a patch and they added them into the epilogue so i don't know if you saw them or not i had my suspicions about the cop because she did seem to anytime that you got kind of close to figuring something out she kind of put up a roadblock. You couldn't tell if it was just like a bureaucracy or if she was actively trying to stop you from figuring out her plan. It was very suspicious with like the arm and the initial kidnapping and you know, her just being at the right place at the right time, like almost every time, it was weird. Um, 
But it seems to not be the case now, and we don't know if there's really any actual members of like the town you can interact with that were part of the cult or not. But there were some interesting theories before, but those aren't really a thing now. I think that's kind of it. We're at three hours now, so I think uh, we can wrap up, huh? Mm-hmm. I barely even felt that. <laughs> <laughs> Super good game, very quotable, a lot of goofiness, a lot of fun, um, a lot of depth. Uh, like Grace said, good music, good characters, good writing. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you got some money, want to play a new interesting game, give it a go. And by some money, we mean not a whole lot. Don't worry, it's not going to break the bank. But Yeah, it's no $60 game. No. Worth every penny that you spend, and clearly there are arguments to be made for even a second playthrough so if that is enough of a convincing argument then i would say go ahead and uh try it out for yourself thank you for the recommendation chris yeah thanks for playing guys thanks for uh humoring me on this i hope you guys liked it congrats on your second mandate thank you i hope it i hope it is lives up to that instagram post (laughs) (laughs) i mean who knows who knows who knows um, all right, well, cool. Yeah, that's all I... Happy birthday. Thank you. It's my yeah, birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Everybody wish Chris a happy birthday. I'm old. To your car or whatever you're listening to this in. Send- Just yell happy birthday. Don't worry about who's around you. They don't matter. This matters. Say happy birthday to Chris. All right, good night, everybody. Good night. Or good morning. We don't know. Or good afternoon. The world's your oyster. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at SpookyKidPod. And you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash SpookyKidPod for my monthly Recap with Friends series. And Chris, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram, ChrisAmbrose80, where I draw various monsters and such, if you like fantasy or horror stuff. I'm your man. And you can follow me to the abandoned grocery store, where we too can resurrect the frog. Bye! Bye.